that would help us grasp. But if you make anywhere even close to like the $30,000 range uh, per year, you're in the top 1% of all money earners in the world. So the good news is, hey, guess what? We're all rich. Uh, The bad news is we're all rich. And the problem with, with being wealthy or having wealth or having, you know, riches is that oftentimes it can be a real detriment spiritually uh, because it's so easy to fall in love with the gift and miss the giver, right? And so we're learning this, and this is something I think that uh, uh, over time uh, we have to wrestle with and grapple with because it's, it's so vital to uh, where we go spiritually. Uh, so being rich is good news. Being rich is also bad news because it can be such a distraction for us in so many ways. So let me just say this morning, if you're a first-time guest here, we're talking about our stuff. And so some of us, have like, when we have this conversation, get a little weak in the knees, get a little, little flushed, get a little nervous. But if you're a guest, you can just smile and look at all the people who are like normal regulars around here and just kind of just laugh at them this morning. But this is one of these conversations that I think is for you, for myself, is absolutely probably one of the most critical things as it comes to, like, really knowing and learning how to trust God. Um, how many guys would say that you grew up with the hope of being absolutely, incredibly average? You just, you, your desire was to be, like, mediocre. You, you, your sole desire was to be, like, average, below average, mediocre. Probably not, right? How many guys felt like your mom and dad, you know, did their best for you and wanted you to be your very best, and you grew up and you wanted to be the best you could be? Anybody like that? Yeah. Well, we're the same way. I I have three kids uh, aging from 15 to 9, and uh, we we give our very best to our kids. We we push them. We talk talk to them about being champions and love when they work through obstacles and they overcome things and you know, my kids would say, you know, dad wants us to be the best we can be. Mom wants us to be the best we can be. Now, we love them, hopefully unconditionally, but we still try to encourage them and push them. But when it comes to uh, wanting to be our best, sometimes that can give us a little bit of problems and sidetrack us. Let me show you what we have been trying to do with my son here recently. Go, buddy. All right, what you just saw is, is what they call parkour. When I was a kid, it was just like jumping boxes and swinging through trees and just having a rock to skip over. And now it's, it's called parkour. Now, have you guys have ever seen the TV uh, series that have, it's called, uh, what is it, uh, American Warrior, Warrior Ninja, Ninja Warrior? Have you guys ever seen that? My son saw that TV series where these guys swing over stuff and, like, you know, jump obstacles and fly through the air and do all these crazy things. And he's like, Dad, I want to be the next American Ninja Warrior. So we went out and spent $100 for his birthday to get him to go do that. And all with the idea of helping my son be the best that he could be and expose him to a variety of things. However, however, along the way, over time, a lot of exposure with that type of stuff or anything out there with giving each other the best can sometimes lead us to not being good at 
being generous ourselves. How often do you guys with your kids, those of you guys that have kids, maybe you were a kid, you remember what it was like, you get a little controlling over your stuff. Like what, what makes me like just really, really upset is when I have given whatever it is to our kids and they're fighting over it as if it's theirs when I gave it to them, <laughs> right? I gave them McDonald's french fries and they're fighting over who has the most fries. We gave them a great gift and they're fighting over. And I'm like, what's wrong with this picture? So when it comes to stuff like that and where we're going today is I want to talk to us about really being great at being generous and really having the opportunity to go beyond being average at just consuming. Because I'm telling you what, we live in America. We are known for being great at consumption. We aren't necessarily known for being great at being generous, but we are really, really known for like, you know what, I may not be great at everything, but I'm great at shopping, (laughs) right? I'm not personally, but I know some of you guys are. I don't have, no, I'm serious. Most of us are like, we're great at shopping. We're not great at being generous. Let me just ask the question, what would it be like if you and I were great at being generous? What would it look like? What would that look like in your marriage? What would it look like in our city? What would it look like in our church if we were great at being generous? Now, this morning, I want to show you some great scripture that I think and I hope that you will just allow God's work to speak to you and however God wants to speak to your heart this morning to help us learn what it would be like to be really highly connected to God in an arena like our finances. So let me show you this. Let me ask the question. So why did God make you rich? Since we know we are, in comparison to the bulk of the world, why did God make you rich? Why did he really bless you? Why did God gift you? Why did he place you where he placed you? Why did he give you maybe a car or stuff or the ability to earn those things? Why did God make us rich? Well, at first, quick thought, based on last week, we learned, first, God has blessed us for our enjoyment. I am not one of those believers that God gave us riches or gave us wealth, and we're supposed to just never have anything for ourselves. You know, every time you walk into Krispy Kreme, one, you shouldn't, and if you do, you should feel terribly guilty. No, I believe God God gifted us for us to be blessed for our enjoyment. I believe that wholeheartedly. I think Scripture supports that. God's not anti us enjoying life. I mean, the other night, I took 12 teenage girls, one being my daughter, to the premiere showing Thursday night of the new Hunger Games movie. Guys, how many of you guys have seen that movie so far? Pretty good, wasn't it? I liked it. I'm a little embarrassed to say that, but the mocking Jay, Jay like I, I want to whistle, do that little thing, but I'll get sidetracked. So, all right. So the question is, why did God make us rich? I believe he, he, he allowed us to be rich for our enjoyment, but in 2 Corinthians, we've been learning in chapter 9, verse 11, Scripture says you will be made rich, like God's, gonna, God's gifting that to us. You'll be made rich in every way, and here's the reason why we're made rich, so that you can be generous. God didn't just make us rich just for our enjoyment, not just to consume everything all for ourselves, but God said, hey, I want to bless you, and I want to continue to bless you, especially if you, you will learn to be generous. So God blessed us and made us rich so that we can be generous on every occasion, I would love to be generous on every occasion, right? I would love that, that I would live off less so that in every situation out there that presents itself, I would be ready, prepared for, and strategic and able to be generous. That's what God wanted. I really believe with all my heart, God gives us a certain size bucket. Some of you guys have 
small buckets, some of you have medium-sized buckets, some of you have massive buckets. And I really believe when we're being generous, God fills that bucket up so we can continue to be generous. So God made us, made us this way, made us rich, so that in every way, in every occasion, we could be generous. And get this, that through our generosity, through us, your generosity, your and my generosity, will result result in people's lives and them being thankful to God. Is that cool? So God legitimately wants to use you and I and our generosity to others for them to, like, I think like our mission statement of our church says, for them to find their way back to God. You know, when we launched this church, we said we want to help people find their way back to God. We didn't really grasp and realize it would take all of our stuff. It would take all of our hearts. It would take massive amounts of energy for people to recognize that there really is a God who loves them. But I'll tell you this much. I was really proud yesterday. I did a wedding last night. I performed a wedding. Was not in a wedding. Did not get married. I've been married once to my wife. She's still my wife. But I did a wedding last night. Performed it. Got to love some rain on the roof, right? And a tin roof. Can anyone just pull out like a, a, a cot or a hammock right now and just like just fall asleep to that? All right. Later. Later. Okay. Hang with me. I'll try to talk louder as the rain comes down and sounds so good. But um, let me back up to my notes here because I forgot what I was about to say. You hate, that when, hate when that happens. Um, oh, the wedding last night. So I'm doing this wedding last night. I'm about to do this wedding. I'm about to start this. And we're all lining up. And I'm going to walk in with the, with the groom. He and I walk in first. And then the, the bridal party's behind us. And we're, we're up in Harris County. We walk down these long steps into this really pretty outdoor area where it's a beautiful setting and a lake in the distance. And uh, I can hear the people behind me saying, hey, that's the pastor of my church. And at first I'm like, that's right. I'm a celebrity. People know me, right? And I'm going, wait a second. No, no. And I'm, I'm looking around. I'm going, oh, I recognize them, but we're about to go. So I'm, I'm listening to these people behind me, and they're saying, you know what? That church has changed my life. And, and I loved it. Was, it was two military couples. All of them were in the, the bridal party. I hadn't had a chance to, to talk to them yet. But I'm hearing them talk about how God has changed their life through this church. And so after a while, I mean, we're getting ready to walk down, and I'm like, you guys are awesome. I love you guys. So tell me what's your name, and I recognize them. And, and I was like, so this is really cool. And they're telling their friends, like, yeah, man, this church is awesome. You guys should come. In fact, you guys should come tomorrow. And I don't know if you guys are here today, but if you are, glad you are. But, I mean, they're just going on and on and on, and I'm just, I'm just like, I'm bubbling over because I, I, I realize it has be, been because this church's generosity in so many ways that there are people out there, and I come in contact with people all the time that say, because of this church, God has changed my life. And I can't tell you how many military couples have said, God has changed my church because, you know, what this church has done. And that has been completely because of your generosity. I have found many military couples that have come to our church and said, somebody from my church bought my lunch one day and just said, hey, you know what? Thank you for your service. And tried to get away without, you know, us knowing who did it. But we, you know, pinned them down and said, hey, you know, we just want to be a blessing to you. And they said, well, you go to church somewhere? And they said, yeah, we go to my church. And they showed up. And then they had their lives changed. And I hear stories like that all the time. So it is true. 
that God has made us rich, and when we are generous, it leads other people to connect with our God. And not only other people, but ourselves. So, so I love, love, love last night's wedding. It was a lot of fun. But I wanted to share this with you. We learned this verse last week. 1 Timothy 6.18 says this. Command those who are rich. Command those who are rich to do good. We've talked about that the first week. Not only to do good, but to be rich in good deeds. We're going to talk about that next week. But I want to talk about this today. To not only be rich in good deeds, but to be generous and willing to share. Now, when we launched out in the first week of this series, we, we worked through a statement. See if you guys remember with me. Uh, God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm trying to let this really soak in. God has blessed me. God has blessed us with more than I need. I am rich. And then last week we learned, we added on to that, I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. And I want to add on to this week, because I have more, I will give more. Because I have more, I'm going to give more. And I think that's exactly what we see in those early passages. So the question today where I want to walk through in some of our teaching portion is, how then do truly rich people give? What does that look like? Because I know the bulk of us, we want to be generous. We, you really do. I don't think there's a person out here who doesn't want to be generous. We learned last week why, you know, why it's hard to be generous because a lot of us still are wrestling with the, the fact that we are rich. Most of us don't feel like we're rich. And if we're not feeling like I have enough, then you're always trying to work t- towards getting enough. And if you're always struggling with that, then you're never going to feel like you have enough. Therefore, never feel like you can be generous. But we have to get to the place where we recognize I am rich. And I can be generous right now. Right now. Remember, we're going to talk about um, God not being so interested in the amount, but like our hearts and maybe even like the percentage of, of our giving because what we learned last week, and I want to share this with you. Do you know who the top givers are in America? The, another study that I saw this last week said between the bottom 20% of money earners and the top 20% of all money earners, who do you think gave more percentage-wise? The bottom 20%. Do you know the bottom 20% gives double by percent to the top 20% of all money earners? That's crazy. People with less, I'm talking like 30,000, actually, the actual group, that gave double the amount were people who, who earned $12,000 or less. Gave double the percentage as, as the top 20% of money earners. So listen, this is something I believe with heart that could really change our life and not make us feel worse or poorer, really honestly just the opposite. To make us feel wealthier and richer and happier, I think that always, always comes by being generous. And we're going to learn here in just a moment something very important about this giving principle. All right, so how do truly rich people give? That's the question. How do how you do it? How, how, does, how does one who is, who's been blessed and who wants to be generous, what does that look like? I want to give you two things that I, I feel like that we see in Scripture and can be su- supported in Scripture. Number one, truly rich people give strategically. 
strategically. Not always just whimsically, which is good. You can do. We're going to talk about just being spontaneous on occasion. But truly rich people, number one, give strategically. Let me show this to you in 2 Corinthians 9. Each of you should give. These are Jesus' words. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. Like, think about it. Process. Pray. God, what do you want me to do this year? What do you want me to do this month? God, help me to know what you want me to do for my house, for my family, for myself. But each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, meaning, you know, God doesn't want a cheerful giver. Or God does want a cheerful giver. God wants us to be excited about this. God, 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 God doesn't want me to do an incredible job of getting you all worked up to give money to the church and you do it begrudgingly. That would be, that would be the wrong type of spontaneous giving. God, God's saying, listen, if you're going to be great at this giving thing, be strategic about it. Plan for it in advance. You know why? Because when you plan for it, when you think about who you want to give to, when you think about where you want to give it to, when you think about what you want to get, how much, the amount, it makes you happy. For example, um, my whole family knows I'm the world's worst at holding back the gift that I've gotten for somebody. Meaning, for one example, I remember many, many times, they all run together. I can't already almost put my finger on exactly one of them because I do it all the time. But for my, my wife's birthday one year, I bought her an incredible gift. And um, her, her birthday was like three weeks away. And I remember coming home that night. I just purchased it like, you know, on the way home. But I ran by, ran in this place. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait. That's exactly what I want to get for her. I got it, purchased it, took it home. I mean, it was burning a hole, right, in the seat of my truck. And I got in bed that night. We did the whole dinner with kids and put all the kids to bed. We're laying in bed, and I'm, like, just laying there like, I got a gift. I got a gift. Oh, my gosh, I got a gift for my wife. She's going to love it. And I was, like, laying next to her. And finally I'm like, come on, calm yourself down. Hold this together. Let's, let's, let's wait this thing out. Let's give it to her with, you know, let, let's maybe let her anticipate it, but like, let's hold off to the birthday. So finally I laid there for a while and, you know, excitement overtook me and I started giving hints like, I got you a gift. Guess what it is, right? So we went on for about five, ten minutes and then finally she had, she, she couldn't guess and I was trying to help her guess. She couldn't guess. So finally I just, I like, I got it in the truck. I'm giving it to you now. So I'm like, run outside, you know, half unclothed, you know, running back in with the gift, and like, I just couldn't wait. But I'm telling you, when you, when you think about what you want to give, when you give strategically, I mean, it, it, it does something within you to where you just like, you can't wait to give it. And so, for example, when you're giving strategically, you're thinking about it. You're praying about it. You're, you're planning for it. And as you do that, that helps you become excited about who the gift is going to or what it is that you get to give. And there, I mean, we just say there's nothing wrong with being spontaneous. You may have someone come across, like we presented some folks in the last several weeks that we said, hey, they're going on a missions trip. If you, wanna, if you feel led to give to them, be spontaneous. Go, go, go serve them. That's great. If God moves your heart and you say, hey, you know what? I've been on a mission trip before myself or I, I, I love uh, helping people overseas and you want to give, be spontaneous. You might be a person that, you know, just sees a person in need 
and your heart is moved and you want to give, go for it. Be spontaneous. But I would say this, that we see in Scripture, for the better part of your giving, we should learn to be, be giving strategically. Now, um, let me just say this, that um, how, let me, let me just kind of humbly tell you what my wife and I, uh, how we have planned our, our giving strategically. And I'm not going to go into amounts or anything like that. I don't think that would be proper. But I just want you to know that this is something God has really worked in our hearts, that we have been learning how to do this and getting better at it and, and, and ultimately learning how to trust God even more because we have been trusting God now by giving strategically for, for the better part of our adult life, especially from marriage on. So first, the first thing Christy and I do, is we, we, in being strategic in our giving, we have gleaned from this passage, this verse, found in Malachi 3.10. Um, it says this. It says that we should bring the whole tithe, which is the Bible, the word tithe means one-tenth or 10% of your income, that we should bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Now, the very first thing my wife and I do, right off the top, the very first uh, thing we do, we give the very best and the first of our combined income, we give 10% to our local church. That's what my wife and I do. We believe uh, Scripture supports that all through the Bible. In fact, some people say, well, the Old Testament was Old Testament, and so mm, I'm not so sure, but, you know, you just look at the New Testament, and it says basically everything Jesus did says, hey, don't just give a percent, just give your whole heart. So Scripture supports it all the way through. So my wife and I, the very first thing we do, we give 10% to our local church. And let me just say this. We believe in the church. We believe the church is like the greatest organization, organism in the world today. Um, in fact, Scripture supports that. Um, scripture says in Matthew 16, 18, our, our verse that where we get the name of our church is found in Matthew 16, 18. It says, upon this rock, I will build my church. That rock was Jesus, that foundation. Upon God's foundation, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will never prevail against it. That's what Scripture says. So, good news, the church is going to win. The church is never going to fail. God's going to use his church. And in fact, the way God is bringing people back to himself all across the globe today is through the local church. Our, churches has, our church has had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come to faith in Christ. I can't think of a better, more important thing to do than to help people have eternity with God in heaven, right? I mean, sometimes that doesn't sound all so cool and exciting, but I'm telling you, the greatest impact we can ever have is helping people find Jesus, become Christians, saved from their sins, and have forever with God in heaven. That is hands down why my wife and I, we say, you know what, we're always going to do this. One, it honors God, and it, it, it helps people find Jesus, the, the church. That's what it does across America. So we allocate the first 10% of our income to the church. Now, some of you would say, well, why do you do that? Why, you know, why do that? Why not, you know, anything else? Or why would you do it like that? And I, I, have, a, I have two things I want to share with you. First, tithing teaches me, teaches us, I think it teaches all of us, to put God first. Tithing teaches us over and over and over. It teaches us to put God first. Deuteronomy 14, 23 says this, the purpose of tithing 
is to teach you to always put God first in your life. I mean, that's what Scripture says. That it does. Now, I heard a story not too long ago about a guy starting a business. Starting out, this guy, you know, in his new, new business was making 30 some thousand dollars a year. And he came to his pastor and he said, Pastor, I want to put God first in this arena of my money, and so I'm going to tithe off my, my income. And so this guy was given like $3,000, and man, lo and behold, his business began to grow, his income grew, his income grew, and finally, it grew so much that he was making well over $200,000 a year. And finally, I mean, he realized like, man, that's a lot of money, and I got to tithe. I want to put God first, but man, I don't, I don't, I don't like this tithing idea any longer. I remember, and, and so he came to his pastor, and he said, Pastor, I want to put God first, but I don't want to tithe all that money. And so his pastor said, all right, so let me just get this straight. You want to put God first, right? Yeah, I want to put God first, but you don't want to tithe. Yeah, I don't want to tithe. That's a lot of money. He goes, all right, would you want me, and he just, he seriously asked this question. I think he was half kidding, but he says, do you want me to go ahead and pray then that God would reduce your income back to $32,000 so you don't have to give that much? And the guy was like, uh, no, no, I don't want to want that at all. So I thought that was funny. You guys are still, you still got that like, oh my gosh, he's really gone there in this conversation. Look, some of you guys are flushed. I mean, I see sweat rolling down some of your faces. Uh, so I honestly, teaching, te- uh, tithing teaches me to put God first. Uh, the second thing tithing has taught Christy and I, um, tithing has increased our faith in God. Over the years, Trusting God with our money, giving the first 10% to our church, you know, as our income has grown, so has our faith, because we're giving more. We're trusting God with more. I mean, it's all, it's all from God. It's all given by God. It's really all His image anyways. So essentially, I'm learning to trust God off 90 and leaning on God to make up the rest. That's faith. Faith is always a step that comes first. So tithing teaches or increases my faith in God. Let me show you this verse. Malachi 3.10 says this, test me in this. This is the only place, the only thing that God ever says test me in, in the arena of your finances. There's, no, there's, there's, no, there's nowhere else in the Bible that God says to test him in anywhere else other than our money. God says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room enough to store it all in. Now, that's, a big, that's pretty big and bold, isn't it? I mean, that's like in the Bible. And if you read God's word and you say, all right, God, are you really saying that? Because if you are, then we should try it, right? And I would say if, if you never get to the place of trying this, I would say you probably never get to the, face of the place of really learning what it's like to have faith in God. If you want to have a big belief in a really big, amazing, powerful God, that's how you do it. That's what scripture says. And if you would say, you know what, my faith is weak. When difficult times come, I waffle. When I, I get weak in the knees and I, I, I lose faith in God, I'm just saying this is a way God says, trust me in it. Try me in it and see if I'm not trustworthy. This is a faith deal right here. God really doesn't want our money. God's big. He can do whatever he wants to do. He can make the economy go up. He can make the economy go down. He can, he can come back tomorrow. He can not come back tomorrow. God is completely in control. 
So if God's in control, God wants us to ultimately lean on him, not our stuff. God doesn't really want our money. He wants our hearts. He really wants our hearts. So the whole heart thing is this trust thing. God wants us to emphatically trust in him completely. So what's crazy is I, you don't get, you may not always get to hear stories like this, but I get to hear a lot of stories. You know, like that other pastor story I just told. I've got many, many, many stories of people, uh, especially here in the last six, seven months when we kind of started to do what we're calling our uh, 90-day giving challenge. We said, hey, you know what? We know this is like a little crazy and dicey for many, many people who are new to faith to try to trust God with their money and like, okay, I'm not going to live off 100. I'm going to live off 90. And I'm going to try to t- trust God with this other 10%. God, you're going to make up the difference. Well, we've had, we've had probably 50 or 60 people or families that have said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to attempt to do this tithing thing. I'm going to attempt to give 10% of my income to God. I can't tell you the stories. that we, We're not soliciting these stories, but people will say, Jeff, you won't believe. I, just, I started doing that 90-day giving challenge. And I got a raise like the next week. And I'm like, that's awesome, dude, it's awesome. And I don't always tell you these stories because I don't want it to look like, you know, you do this and God's like a genie on a bottle. All of a sudden you're just like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get rich. God, remember I tithed to you, so make me, make me richer, right? God, you know, I don't think that's, that's, the, that's not the heart motive and that's not God's heart motive. God wants us to learn to trust on him. But, I, but I've got stories like that just, they're all over the place. All over the place where God did throw open the floodgates. God did blow somebody's mind. And I think to the greater degree that you're wrestling with trusting in God with this, I think God wants to prove to you, right? God's not out to disprove himself. God's out to prove himself. And God wants people running around going, I'm one of those who trust God with my stuff. I'm one of those people who are trusting God with my finances so he can build more faith and he can resource kingdom work and help people learn to find him and be grateful and give thanksgiving because of our generosity. So what's cool about this, it takes faith to give first, right? It takes faith to give first. But you know what? It wasn't our first anything that made Jesus do anything first. In fact, Scripture says this. It says, while we were yet sinners, he gave his life for ours. Before we did anything, before we said God, I love you, or thank you for what you did for me, or before we knew anything about Jesus, he acted first while we were still sinners. He sacrificed his life for us. That's pretty awesome. Second Corinthians says this in eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 7. It says, since you excel in many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, in your knowledge, in your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. You see, in America, we're great at consumption. We're great at a whole lot of stuff. My kids are great at allowing their parents to bless them with parkour. I'm still mesmerized by the name. They have a name for letting kids jump over boxes. My kids have no issue with receiving blessing, right? And being good at receiving. We are a nation. We are, we, are, we are very, very good at consuming. I have no problem being good at consumption. 
I, I, can, I, can, I can drive down the road and just with no trouble at all pull into any Krispy Kreme that's in my, in my driving ability. If I'm remotely hungry, have no issues when I get gas to buy three or four snacks, I, I can do it. I don't have to work at it, right? We have to work at this thing called generosity. And if we will, we're going to experience God and God's going to use it. God says you can excel in all these different kinds of things, and I want you to. But I want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. And I, I just want to say that, you know what, it's, it's sometimes, maybe on my end, maybe I'm a little, you know, insecure about this subject, because I know some of you out there don't like this subject. And can I just say that if, if you really don't like this subject, one, I hope you receive this well. If you don't like this subject, or you're new to this subject, but it just somehow maybe repulses you, maybe, just maybe, You've never experienced God by faith because you haven't trusted God like this. And I just want to say that if you could cross over the line, and I don't even, I'm not even trying to work somebody up like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give to this church. I don't even care. Give, give somewhere. Give anywhere. But, but to, to learn to trust God in the arena of your finances is going to change your world forever. If you can learn to start, start operating off of less and consuming less and being generous you're going to experience God. That's what Scripture says. Trust me. So let me break it down. Here's, here's uh, what our family does strategically in our giving. All right? I told you already, we, we, we take right off the top, before we pay any bills, anything else, we give 10% of our total combined income to our church. I'm in this with you. Right? 10% of our, our combined income we give to our church. We believe wholeheartedly that God uses the church and we live below our means, and we, we just expect God to far greater than living off 100%, far greater uh, than we can do it on our own. We give God opportunity to make up the difference, and he does that in amazing ways for us oftentimes. The second thing we do is, the second percentage that we allocate is to any projects our church is doing. I mean, you know, it would make sense, right? Uh, whenever we're doing some special project around here, we've always had some outside other project. We started the church out, out one year with, we called it Bailout Columbus. It was right in the middle of like, you know, our highest recession time uh, in 09 and 10 that we had several families in our church we knew had lost jobs. And we, we spontaneously, we talked about strategically, we'll talk about spontaneously in just a minute, spontaneously on Sunday said, we're going to give to all the families here who have lost jobs. And my wife and I gave spontaneously. So we give the projects. We've uh, done some other projects along the way that we've given to. We're in a project right now, um, a project to raise money to, called All In to build our new church. And my wife and I are giving a percentage on top of our 10%. We're giving another percentage and made a commitment for three years to help that happen. That's another thing we do. Um, the third thing we do, we have been sponsoring three kids with Compassion International, one for each one of our three kids. We picked out three children from from Africa, that we write letters to, and they write letters back to our kids, and they often say to my kids, Allie, thank you so much for your love and how you help us, and I'm telling you what, what that does to my kids is tremendous, so that's another area that we take, so we give the 10% to our church, we do another percent to our, any projects our church is doing, 
we support three kids overseas. And then locally, we support some local ministries around town. Um, We also support um, military families. My wife and I, um, since we have been here in town, we have fallen more and more in love with the sacrifice our military makes. We oftentimes are inviting their kids to our house, um, babysitting kids when they don't have someone to uh, let them go on a date night. I'll come home and we'll have two or three kids at my house. I'm telling you, it's not my number one gift, but it's my wife's gift, and I'm cool with it, and I feel blessed that we get to do it, but my wife, that's her. She loves that. She loves, and it just melts her heart when there's a couple who have nobody in town that they know, no family. She's like, I'll, I'll babysit your kids anytime you want to, and she does. We oftentimes will bless military couples just when we're out eating. We'll, we'll pay for a meal, we'll walk out, and we'll just say, you know what, thank you for your sacrifice, and we, we don't tell them, we just kind of slip out. We do that oftentimes. So we support local ministries, we support things like that. Um, and then again, another thing we do, we, we allocate resources, and we generally uh, plan each year, what we're going to do to support other churches that are starting in our city and uh, abroad. Uh, we personally uh, have a heart for pastors that, that do this, that, that have started a church from scratch. We know most of these guys out there, we're not, we're, we're very blessed, but I know several church guys, pastors out there, that their, their congregations are very, very small. They're trying to get things off the floor. We, we give to them. We support them. We, we love these guys. We're like, you know, you're making a difference God's using your church to change people's lives forever. And we personally, we love giving to these, these other pastors out there. And we've made a commitment um, several times over the years to support uh, ministries like that. And so we, we do that. So that's, that's kind of how we do it strategically. Now, let me give you one more. Truly, uh, rich people give, secondly, um, sacrificially. All right? So strategically, if you're taking notes, sacrificially. Now, rich people, rich people give extravagantly at times. Every now and then, God will move your heart, and you just go for it. I remember early on in our church, we had a guy that he just, he was moved. I don't know what moved him. I don't know what happened. I don't know why. But he just all of a sudden gave his, his truck to our church. <laughs> it was, he was right in the early days of our church, our church, and he gave this, like, Ford Lightning pickup truck that was super fast. He said, do whatever you want to do with it. I remember for the first few weeks, um, Justin Probst, who was on our staff, and myself, we drove the truck around, and tr- trust me, we were like, we should probably keep this thing. This is awesome. I burnt the wheels off it a few times, and they're like, we better stop doing this. We're going to have to pay for tires. But we said, God, what do you want us to do with this? And we gave the truck away. The truck was worth $9,000, so he blessed us with that truck. We did, a, we did an auction. Someone won the truck, and we gave $9,000 away to Haiti when Haiti was hit by the earthquake. And so as a church, our church gives. We, when, you, when you give, know that your money is also being tithed off of. Our church tithes. In fact, our church gives on average more than 15% every year away in things like that. We've been doing that since the beginning. So sacrificially, let me tell you about some guys in the Bible. Solomon, when Solomon became the king, um, he not only gave one bull, which was customary, uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, hey, you know, I become the king, now let me bless back. He gave a thousand bulls to worship God. Um, king David, in fact, King David gave the largest gift in human history. 
is we look back and, you know, can research like who's ever been very, very generous. King David, in equivalency of today, gave like several billion dollars of what he gave uh, in the Bible when he wanted God to, to have the best. King David, you know, I'm going to give a great, great extravagant gift. That's being sacrificial. Uh, there was a woman with a, uh, with a questionable, uh, let's say, a questionable source of income in the Bible, if you're tracking with me. Uh, questionable source of income. She gave perfume to Jesus. She poured perfume all over Jesus' feet. And we learn from Scripture that that perfume was worth about a year's worth of wages. So, you know, she could have used that to, you know, spruce things up and smell better to enhance her career, but she instead gave that to God. So, okay, we'll move on. Um, Last week we talked about a poor widow, gave extravagantly. I'm going to read this to you. Luke 21, 1 through 3, it says, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow putting in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put more in than anybody else. See, God, come on, seriously. God's God's not really after your money. He's in control of all your stuff anyways. He's in control of everything. Everything you have, the air you breathe, is a gift from God. He's not really after your money. I'm not after your money. I'm, I'm, I've just told you how we give just to help you know what we really do also. I'm, I'm learning to trust God. I want for some of us, maybe all of us, for the scales to come off, for, the, for, the, for the, maybe the shackles to come off our heart so we could get this in line with God so we could really learn what it's like to trust God. I'm convinced so many of us are just going to continue to go through life just being the ultimate consumer. You're great at consumption. We don't have to worry about that. I believe we've got to be great at being generous. And you know what? As Christians, we shouldn't be outgiven. We should never, ever, ever have somebody else outgive us. Never. I remember going to Africa three years ago. Our church took a trip. Several of you guys went. We, we were in the slums uh, in, of Nairobi, in some slums called Ka- the Kawangwari slums. 300,000 people, tightly in like a three-mile square radius. People lived in a three-mile square radius. Those little huts, little just shanties, uh, the size of probably most of our closets. It, I mean, it was the first time I, I've seen something like this. Uh, God messed me up in a really, really, really good way. I remember one particular woman uh, was a runner. Her name was Irene Lamika. And she saw us every day, and she didn't live in the slums. She lived just outside of the slums in a little bit better area, which would be way worse than our worst anywhere in our city. So all week long, she was like, I'm so blessed by you guys. I'm so blessed by you guys. We were serving the kids. We were teaching kids soccer and playing with kids and sharing Christ. And so at the end of the week, right before we left, she had begged and begged and begged to have our whole team, about 15 of us, to come have dinner at her house. She didn't have space for 15 people, but she made space. We, we bundled up in her house, and uh, she rolled out like the greatest meal she'd probably ever prepared in her life and blessed us with like four courses of a meal. Now, it was nothing like a 
three or four course meal we'd have today. But it was like fruit and vegetables and, and meat and, and breads. And she was like lit up like a Christmas tree, just like walking around and making sure we were all okay. And I'm telling you what, it was breaking my heart. Like, how can this woman? I mean, I didn't want to receive it. I really struggled receiving what she gave because I was already rich. I didn't need her to do that. But she, she was so, so proud to serve us. I went home and I said, I will never, ever, ever again be outgiven by someone who has less than me. Never again. And she reminds me of that, that, that widow. And I remember we, we kept track of Irene. And um, she, had, she, she left a real permanent mark on my life by her blessing me when I didn't need to be blessed. Uh, she, I told you she was a runner. She was like the top runner in all of Kenya. And we learned about her coming to the States to run in Atlanta in one of the marathons. And I told my wife, I said, baby, that's the girl I met. And so we had talked to her several times on the phone. We blessed her. We got her hotel. We bought her meals. We went out and found, ordered, ordered the, the finest pair of running shoes she's ever had on her feet. And I couldn't wait to give to her. You know what she did? She didn't want to take it. She's like, oh, no, no, I'm so blessed. <laughs> I don't need anything. I'm so blessed. I'm like, no, you're not. Not in compared to American terms, you got nothing. And I was like, no, 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 you made me eat your dinner, you would take these shoes. <laughs> and she was a little fireball. She was stomping her foot down saying, no, 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 I can't. I said, yeah, 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 you will. And she took the shoes. But I just want to say this too as a church. We have the opportunity to have our hearts transformed by trusting God in this area. There's nothing in me that selfishly wants to grow my salary I'm not trying to grow any of the resources of the church. I really want us to be the most generous people that are out there. Because if we will do that, we will change the world, and your heart will change forever. And if we don't, you'll continue to be the same place you are spiritually, and you'll continue to know God as small as he is right now in your life. So my hope my hope, take the 90-day challenge with our church or find somewhere else that you can give. But learn to operate off less and allow God to take what you don't have or what you've given away, allow God to make up the difference. It's called faith. And God wants your heart to get to a place where you can really learn to trust in him. Let's pray. God, I just pray that this message would be received the way you want it to be received. God, I pray that, that nothing that I have said or done would, would counteract that. God, I pray for our hearts, and I pray that we would get to a place of radical generosity where we're, where we're not being the ultimate consumers, but we're being the ultimate people who are good at being rich and great at being generous. So, Lord, we want to tell you we love you. We thank you for being generous to us first and modeling sacrifice. God, you sacrificed it all. You gave it all. You ask of us so little in comparison to what you gave us. Lord, I pray you'd break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, help us to get to a place of trusting in the truly big, massive, incredible audacious, powerful God that you are. 
Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. I pray that you'd help people, some people here today, here today to break free from greed, from, from serving ourselves, for, for, for ourselves being God of our life. God, I pray that we would put you first. We'd learn what it's like to lean on something greater than ourselves. So, Lord, I pray that you would do this. You would allow us together to just, just rock this city for you. Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen.